0: Dear Father, as we come before you today, we pray that you may truly give us ears that will hear and eyes that will see and hearts which are open to understanding. We pray that as we listen to this familiar passage, uh, that will strike us afresh, to help us examine our lives to make sure that we are walking rightly before you. And we pray for all these things in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Now, uh, one of the uh, abiding memories I have of my uh, mother is uh, her saying these words to me? Did you just hear what I said? <laughs> Why are you so blur? Can you please concentrate on what I'm saying? Are you really listening to me? Did you just hear what I said? Now, seeing that you are much younger, right? I'm sure that those memories are a lot fresher for you, right? Because you know the older people they didn't understand what I was saying, but you no know, But for you, you can understand what I'm saying. Now, I guess my mom was right because uh, really I'm not a very good listener. And uh, I was very good at dreaming, but not very good at listening. And uh, as I got older, I, re- I realized that there's a cost to not being a good listener. So I remember, you know, uh, sitting in some exam hall somewhere and not listening properly. And then realizing at the end of the exam that actually there are some questions on the other side of the page. Right. Okay, so that wasn't a very happy experience. And uh, when I was working as an auditor, I remember uh, going to a building and I forgot which floor We were supposed to go on to audit and I had to call back the office again, which was quite embarrassing as well. And I remember not listening very well to my boss and preparing the wrong report for him. Okay, That was also quite painful. So, it pays to be a good listener. But all the more, as we look at today's passage, in listening to Jesus and listening to the Word of God. Because today, we're going to hear from Jesus on what it means to be a good listener. How we are to listen to Him and why we are to listen to Him. Now, the background is very important because as we saw at the beginning of chapter 8, Jesus was going around, in verse 1, from one town and village to another proclaiming the good news of the kingdom of God. So the priority of Jesus was not healing, it was not exercising demons, neither was it doing miracles, but it was preaching the good news of the kingdom of God. And this is what he had stated would be his priority right from the beginning because if you turn back with me to chapter 4 verse 42 Jesus was healing, doing lots of miracles and people wanted him to keep healing and doing lots of miracles but in verse 42 of chapter 4 it said the people were looking for him and when they came to where he was they tried to keep him from leaving them and he said I must proclaim the good news of the kingdom of God to the other towns also, because that is why I was sent. And he kept on preaching in the synagogues of Judea. Now, Jesus was preaching the good news of the kingdom of God. But the question was, were the people receiving the good news of the kingdom of God? Were they paying attention? Were they actually understanding? Now, I read this book a long time ago called The Good Listener. Okay, it's up here. The Good Listener. And uh, very helpfully at the at back of the book, he puts down the 10 laws of communication. And the first law says, it is not what our message does to the listener, but what the listener does with our message. So communication is not just me putting the message out there, but it's what the listener does with the message. It, it, communication is a two-way process. It's not just me putting the message out there, it is the person receiving that message Taking it in and understanding what I mean, and this whole section today in chapter eight is all about people receiving the message, hearing the message. Okay, so in, in verse eight b it says, "Whoever has ears to hear, let him hear." In verse ten b it says, "Though hearing they may not, sorry, though seeing they may not see, though hearing they may not understand." And in verse um, twelve. Those along the path are the ones who hear. Verse 13, Those on rocky ground are those who receive the word of joy. In verse 14, The, the, the seed that fell among the thorns stands for those who hear. Uh, verse 15, Those on the good soil are those who are noble and good heart, who hear the word. In verse 18, Therefore consider carefully how you listen. And in verse 21, my father, My mother and brothers are those who? hear God's word and put it into practice. So the whole section is about being a good listener, how to listen to Jesus. And in verse 4, Jesus begins by telling a very simple farming story. Now, uh, as we read this uh, parable, we're kind of a bit confused, right? Because when we think of uh, planting seeds, we often think of the rice farmer who's planting seeds and he plants a seed, you know, he walks along, he puts a seed, plants a seed, seed, Right? Or we think of those big mechanical machines which plant the seed to the soil. But in those days, they didn't plant seeds that way. They would carry a bag, right? So this was the original iPad carry bag, okay? Uh, before, or your tablet bag before the tablets. And what they instead of having an iPad inside, they would have seeds. And the farmer would take the seeds and he would throw it onto the fields, right? All, you know, spread it far out. And then they would then plow the fields. So then once you get the picture of how they planted the seed by throwing it around then you get an idea of what the parable is about. Because as you can see as he's taking the seed from his iPad bag and throwing it out right? some would fall on the path which he was walking on. Right, right in front of the hard path which he would use to throw the seed and the seed wouldn't be able to be plowed on and the seed would sit on the surface, the birds would come and eat the seed. Some would fall on the rocky ground where on the surface there was soil but underneath there was a layer of rock. So the soil was really shallow and wouldn't hold water and the plant would die. Some other fell on rocky ground, sorry, on on thorns, you know, the lalang of the Middle East, where the seeds would fall there and uh, they they would germinate, they would grow, but they couldn't grow very well because they'd be overtaken by these tall weeds. And finally, some seed would fall on the good soil. Now, for us as Singaporeans, we don't really uh, feel for this story. You know, we don't really get feeling for this story, but I listened to a pastor who was preaching in uh, this place called Dubbo in um, in Australia, which is a farming town. He said that actually as a farmer, he can really identify with this story, because this story is about the frustrations of farming, you know, you're trying to farm, you throw all the seed and half the seed gets wasted, and, you know, the plants don't grow very well, you know, Jesus really feels for the farmer. But then at the end of his parable, in verse 8, he says, He said this, when he said this, he called out, Whoever has ears to hear, let them hear. So Jesus tells a simple farming story, and to the crowd, he's giving notice that there is a deeper story. That it's not a simple story, simple farming story anymore. There is something more to it. And he's challenging the listener to find out what is the real story that Jesus is talking about. Is it just about farming? Now imagine you were there that day, I don't know, 2000 years ago, and you had gone there. Maybe you went there because you wanted entertainment. Maybe you wanted healing. Maybe you wanted your friend to be healed. And Jesus told this story. Would you actually take the trouble to really find out what this story was about? Or would you just, you know, say, ah, well, you know, I don't know what he's talking about. We'll just leave it at that. Because in verse 9, verse 9 actually represents the people who take the trouble to Really hear, right? They, they listen, but they're not sure. So they really want to find out. They really want to understand. They really want to hear. And in verse nine, his disciples asked him what this parable meant. They had ears to hear. They wanted to find out what it was really all about. Now, the disciples here were not the twelve apostles. Okay, it's not just twelve people who came to speak to Jesus. It was the big crowd of disciples, the the the, the people who really sincerely wanted to find out more. So they asked Jesus, what did the story mean? But in verse 10, Jesus doesn't really answer what the story means. He answers by saying why he speaks in parables or in riddles. So in verse 10 he says, The knowledge of the secrets of the kingdom of God have been given to you, but to others I speak in parables, so that though hear, seeing, they may not see, though hearing, they may not understand. So Jesus actually doesn't answer what it means, but he says, why do I speak in parables? Why do I speak in a riddle? Now, I don't know about you, but when I was growing up, I always thought that Jesus spoke in parables to make things clearer. I always thought that people, Jesus spoke in parables to actually help us to see better. That's what, I mean, I thought, But Jesus actually saying, no, he speaks in parables to make things not clearer, but to be more obscure. To make it more difficult to understand because the, the, the parable is like a dividing device. Those who take the trouble to want to understand, they will see more. Those who don't take the trouble, they will, they will be excluded and they will not see and understand. Now, he quotes here from Isaiah chapter 6 verse 9. Uh, my Bible has a little footnote, right? That those seeing and those hearing, that comes from Isaiah chapter 6 verse 9. And the clue here is that in Isaiah, the people could see but not see, the people could hear but not understand because their hearts were hardened against God. That's the secret. Their hearts were hardened against God. They were not really interested in the things of God or interested in God. So Jesus is saying, look, if you hear the parable and your heart is not really interested in the kingdom of God or in the things of God, you will not understand, you will not pursue, you will not take the trouble to understand. But if your heart is softened, you will take the trouble to understand. Now, to help you understand it in a more contemporary context, uh, I remember reading this book one, uh, a long time ago. All right? He's just not that into you. Okay, so actually it's a girly book. I, I don't buy books like this, right? But, but somehow, I don't know how my wife got it. Or someone gave it to us. Or how did we get it? Oh, I know, maybe I did buy it, I'm not sure. It was an accident, it was an accident, okay? But the book, but the book basically is all about, written by this guy who writes to women to explain why men do not call them back, lah. And basically it's because he's just not that into you, lah. Okay? Now, the thing is, the people who hear the parable and they don't understand, they don't take the trouble to find out, why is that? Because they're just not that into Jesus. They're just not that into the kingdom of God. They're just not that into God. And therefore, the parable actually sorts them out, isn't it? Because those who are really interested will take the trouble to find out. It's like this uh, quote in the movie The Godfather, where it talks about there's a stone, right? And the stone is sitting in all this water, but the water never penetrates the stone. Because, you know, people's hearts are hard. And that's what Jesus is saying. Like the gospel is out there, communication is out there, right? Okay? But there's no reception because people's hearts are hard. But then Jesus then describes these people as the first soil, isn't it? The the, the people of the first soil are really those with the hard hearts. And he says there, in verse 12, those along the path are those who hear, and then the devil comes and takes away the word from their hearts so that they may not believe and be saved now this is where the real consequences of being a good listener come out, because in verse twelve, if you do not believe you will not be saved, so if you are not in the kingdom of God, that means you are not saved uh, and then there is no consolation prize, there is no middle ground, there is no no man's land. You are either in the kingdom of God and saved, or you are in hell and condemned. This is a very um, controversial thing, isn't it? Because in the world we live in, if you don't have Jesus, people think, well, okay, you don't have Jesus, you don't have the kingdom of God, maybe there's some consolation prize. So I remember talking to someone just last week in a casual conversation, and he's telling me this story about how he knows this woman with a child, and they're both Christians, and the husband is not a Christian. And the woman said to the child, Oh, because daddy doesn't believe in Jesus, he he will be going to hell. And this other man said, Oh, you know, I reject that totally. Because in the world that we live in, we don't like people saying that if they don't have Jesus, they will go to hell. But if you look at verse 12, that's exactly what Jesus is saying. If you are not receiving the word of God, if you are not in the kingdom of God then you are not saved and you are condemned and you go to hell there are only two two ways to live right two eternal destinations kingdom of God or condemnation and because these people are not good listeners they do not listen to the word then they are not saved they do not believe but Jesus then goes on and explains that that, that this parable is also a warning to his disciples those who hear and also understand because he says those on rocky ground are the ones who receive the word with joy when they hear it but they have no root they believe for a while but in the time of testing they fall away now here Jesus was actually looking in the crowd he knows the future he knows people's hearts and he was saying that there are some of you here in the crowd that In future, when the heat comes on you, the heat of persecution and suffering, you will let go of the word. You will wilt and die in the heat of the day like the plant. Now, as some pastors have said in some of the sermons I've heard, every Christian, at some point in time, will have to really decide where you stand and stand up for what you believe. You have to put your colors to the mass and put it up there for everybody to see that I believe in certain things and I will live in a certain way and you will get heat for it. And uh, the question is whether you want to, to, do, to do that now not. Whether you are willing to take heat for following Jesus and the teachings of Jesus. Now, the, one of the first pastors that uh, I ever listened to told the story of how he evangelized this big rugby prop forward. Now, rugby players are generally quite big and the prop forward is, a, is one of the biggest forwards, right? So when he stands there on the rugby pitch and he looks across the field, he's not scared of anybody. You know what I mean? That, that, that's the sort of people who play, play uh, rugby, lah, the prop forwards especially. But this man became a Christian. But then he told my pastor that he could no longer be a Christian. Why? Because he was worried about what his other friends would say. So here was a man who was not afraid on the rugby field, but yet he was afraid of what other people would say because he had become a Christian. See, he was a second soil. He couldn't take the heat. The heat of what other people would say behind his back. Maybe the jokes that they would make, the insult, the scorn, the sniggering, And so he had given up the word. That's what the second soil is all about. Jesus then goes on and talks about the third soil. The seed that fell among thorns stands for those who hear, but as they go on their way, they are choked by life's worries, riches, and pleasures, and they do not mature. Now the word here, choked, is like strangle, right? Strangle the life out of the seed. Now, again, again, if the second soil is because of the heat, this one is where they've got too many things that they run after and it becomes a a distraction where they no longer have the Word which is in their heart. Now, many people today have the same problem, isn't it? Uh, We choose to do worthwhile things, but these things take us away from the Word. So there are people who are no longer Christian that uh, I know of. Why? Because one, they wanted to spend more time with their children. Spending time with children is not a bad thing. But then when it chokes the word and stops you from coming to church and having fellowship, then it is bad. Uh, because they want, they don't, they're no longer Christian because they wanted to finish their studies first. They wanted to get married. They had hobbies. They wanted to have fun on Sunday morning or whatever. Uh, you know, they wanted to enjoy themselves or work on their career. And all these things choked the life out of their the seed that was planted in them. And they fell away. Now some people ask the question, and I'm sure you've asked the question, because i asked it too. Can people in the third soil still be saved? Because after all, no, the third soil is so close to the fourth soil, and you know, can't you just sort of be choked a bit, but you know, the plant's still alive, right? You know, it's just a bit brown, right? Okay. Now, the question that uh, you have to ask yourself when you ask that question, can the third soil still be saved is, why do you ask that question? You're only asking that question because you still want to have your riches and your pleasures and your worries, isn't it? Now, I'm sure, I'm very, very sure that for the people in the crowd that day, they would not have asked that question. Because the thorns and weeds that Jesus is talking about are not those small little weeds, okay? They are like these big weeds which grow up like six feet tall. Now, um, when I was uh, studying in Australia, I was uh, fortunate at one stage to have a garden. but Unfortunately, in that garden, uh, somebody had decided to plant some bamboo. Now, I think bamboo is a weed, even though I can't find it on Google, but I think it's a weed. (laughs) right? Um, Because the thing with bamboo is that it's almost impossible to kill. It is an almost unkillable plant, right? Because you chop it off, and it still keeps growing because the roots are all down there, right? And you actually have to put poison individually on every stem that you cut. And the problem with bamboo is when bamboo grows, nothing else grows there. You know, you might have some nice little flowering plant there, and then after all the bamboo will come, and then the flowering plant will just die because it sucks up all the nutrients. And that's exactly what Jesus has in mind. When the seed is around the weeds or the thorns or the bamboo, it sucks up everything in the area and it kills the plant. So the, the third soil is not saved, the third soil is definitely uh, condemned. Uh, they, They listen well, but they are bad listeners at the end, because they are choked by things of the world. Now verse 15 says, But the seed on good soil stands for those with a noble and good heart, who hear the word, retain it, and by persevering, produce a crop. Now, I often wonder, why is it Jesus says uh, that these people have a noble <clears throat> and good heart? Well, why why suddenly do they need a noble and good heart? Why don't they just need to hear the word and retain it? The reason why they need a, a noble and good heart is because they are completely opposite to the people in the those quoted in, in the book of Isaiah. The first soil. You see, their heart is good. Their heart is noble. And therefore, they are able <clears throat> to respond favorably and positively to the words of Jesus, to the word of God. That's, that's what represents a good heart. Not a hard heart, a rebellious heart, but a, a noble and good heart, ready and able to accept God's word. But more than that, they hear the word and they retain the word, they hold on to the word. Now, have you ever gone uh, mountain climbing? Oh, sorry, not mountain climbing. Rock climbing, as in not like walking up, but actually rock climbing up this way, right? Uh, i tried it a few times, it's really good fun. I'll recommend it to you if you ever get a chance, right? Now, one of the important rules about rock climbing is, or the first rule that I learned of rock climbing is, what? Always hold on to the rock, right? Because, you know, if you don't hold on to the rock, you know, like, okay, uh, my ears a bit itchy, oh, okay. You know, then you fall off, isn't it? Now, that's the, that's the same thing about being a Christian. That's what the fourth soil is, is, is uh, distinguished by. They hold on to the word. Like, a, you know, like the rock face. They hold on to Jesus' words. They don't let go. Not like the third and the second soil which let go of the word. They retain it and they persevere. And they therefore produce a crop. So as, as you listen to these four soils, which soil are you? How are you listening? To Jesus. How are you listening to God's Word? Are you a good listener or are you a bad listener? Are you like the first soil, you know, where the Word comes but then, you know, you get easily distracted and then it just gets taken away? Or maybe you're, are you like the second soil where you hear God's Word, you understand it, it's taking root But the pressure of the world, people call you a loser, you don't like it, so you give it up. You don't want to hold on to what the word of God says. Or maybe you're like the fourth word, sorry, the third word, where you're chasing after all these things and and, and the word is not fruitful in your life. You never get a chance to actually grow. Or are you like the fourth word? Are you a good listener because you hold on to that word and you keep persevering in it? Now this first section is about how how we listen to Jesus. But the next section actually tells us why it's so important to listen to Jesus. So in verse 16 it says, No one lights a lamp and hides it in a clay jar or puts it under a bed. Instead they put it on a stand so that those who come in can see the light. For there is nothing hidden that will not be disclosed and nothing concealed that will not be known or brought out into the open. Therefore, consider carefully how you listen. Whoever has will be given more. Whoever does not have, even what they think they have, will be taken from them. Now, um, the lamp that they're talking about is is not the lights, electric lights we have here, right? This is the sort of lamp that they have in mind, okay? I got this. This is the original, okay? I didn't buy it. Family, heirloom or whatever, right? Okay, so, I'm sure it still works. You just put, Kitchen all down here somewhere, right? Anyway, so you, when you light this lamp, what do you do? You put it on a high place so that, uh, that the whole room gets light and illuminated, right? You don't sort of hide it underneath. You don't put a towel over it because that defeats the purpose of the lamp. Now, Jesus is actually saying that He is the lamp, right? The context is very important, right? Some people mistakenly think that we are the lamp. We are the light. No, the context is still Jesus preaching the good news of the kingdom of God. And he's saying He is the lamp. He is the light, and therefore, He is like on the stands so that all the message goes out to the world. Now, Jesus had already said this earlier on in, uh, sorry, not Jesus, but the book of Luke had already told us that this would be Jesus' mission. So in chapter 1, verse 78, which is up here, Zechariah, the father of John the Baptist, said, Because of the tender mercy of our God, by which the rising sun will come to us from heaven, to shine on those living in darkness and in the shadow of death to guide our feet into the path of peace. So Jesus is the one who who shines a light on those living in darkness in the shadow of death to, to guide us to have peace with God. And then Simeon, Simeon was the guy in the temple, remember? And when he held the baby Jesus, he said, My eyes have seen your salvation, which you prepared in the sight of all people, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people Israel. So Jesus is like a light of revelation. He's like salvation coming to the world. So therefore, Jesus says, you need to listen to me because I'm light, I'm truth. But verse 17 actually changes that thinking slightly around, isn't it? Because verse 17 is linked there by the four. So four, right? For there is nothing hidden that will not be disclosed, and nothing concealed, that will not be known or brought out into the open. Now, the problem with light is that it illuminates, it's a very positive thing. But the threatening thing about light is, it also exposes, or uncovers, or reveals things. So that's why bad people like darkness. Okay, bad people like darkness, bad things happen in darkness because people cannot see, it's not revealed, it's not uncovered. But Jesus says that his word right, is like light which reveals how people respond to God, whether their hearts are rebellious, whether they have a negative attitude to God. So Jesus' words are powerful in that they bring salvation, but they also bring judgment. And I think what verse 17 has in mind also is, on the very last day, everything will be brought into the open. You know, you think you do things, you know, in a secret way, you think things in your mind, no one is watching, but Jesus says, on that last day, everything will be revealed. My light will shine and uncover all these things. So all the more you need to listen to me. Now, a pastor I heard used this really good illustration about how, you know, when you guys, all of you have been on a plane before, right? I presume all of you have been on a plane. Okay? And you know, at the beginning, uh, before the plane takes off, uh, there's always uh, the safety instruction, right? Now, how many of you actually listen to the safety instruction? Okay, that's good. All right, okay, yeah, that's good. Yeah, that's good. Okay. Now, usually, uh, people apart from Y and Esther, they are doing really, they are doing really, really important things, right? They're not listening to the safety instruction, but they're doing really important things, like you know, setting up their iPad or you know, getting their novel out of their bag. Or getting comfortable, right? Or, uh, you know, just chatting with their friends. Okay, but because they think, well, the plane's not going to crash, so why do I need to listen to the safety instruction, right? But what Jesus is saying is that, look, you need to listen to me because I'm the light of salvation. But at the same time, my light brings judgment and uncovers everything. So you, you need to listen to me. Right, you need to pay attention. That's why in verse 18, therefore, consider carefully, how you listen. You need to listen, right? You really need to listen. Now, I think that um, verse 18 is a very polite translation. You know, I, I, I never remember my mom saying to me, "Andrew, consider carefully how you must listen to me." You know, she'd be more like, "Listen to me, okay? I told you a million times already, all right?" Or it's more like, you know, you, you gotta take heed, pay attention. To what I'm saying, that's what Jesus is saying, there's a, there's a note of urgency, there's a note of importance here. And the thing is, he goes on to say, at the end of verse 18, Whoever has will be given more, and whoever does not have, even what they think they have, will be taken from them. Now, I've often wondered what he meant there. And I think what he's referring to is, people in the second soil and the third soil, they listen to God's word. They think they understand it. They think they have it. They think they have spiritual blessings. They think they have the kingdom of God. They think they have the knowledge of God. their spiritual insight. But, actually they don't. And that's why they need to really pay attention, isn't it? Because, they think they have all these things. They think they are good listeners. But actually they are bad listeners. They have failed to listen carefully. They fail to take the warning of verse 18. They have not carefully considered how they listen. Because good listening is not just about understanding, but retaining and persevering. And Jesus is saying, look, you need to really listen because if you are not really listening, even what you think you have will be taken away from you. So in conclusion, are you a good listener Are you really a good listener? Are you listening to the words of Jesus? Are you listening to the words of God? Because the challenge is there, isn't it? Consider carefully how you listen Because the world is full of bad listeners and churches have people in them who are bad listeners as well so a pastor once said that every Sunday in church the devil is busy. And he is busy taking uh, all the seeds which are planted in people's hearts. I can imagine that, you know, it's true. I I've spoken to various people this week which say really weird things to me, uh not in church that is, but it reveals that spiritually I think the devil is working in their hearts. So this guy was saying, Oh, you know, uh I don't believe it's in Christianity because it's all confirmation bias. Like You know, he kept going, confirmation bias, that means that we are all basically biased towards Christianity, so you know, you just get information this way. Then I was thinking, well, in the same way you have confirmation bias to not being a Christian too, isn't it? But that, that means everybody's got some bias, but we'll never get to the truth because we're all biased one way or another. But is that really true? Is the, the Japanese invading Singapore? Confirmation Bias Is Stanford Raffles coming to Singapore Confirmation Bias? Is 9-11 Confirmation Bias? No, These things really happen, right? But to this guy, he thinks, well, I can just say this magic word, Confirmation Bias, and I don't have to listen to Jesus at all. I met another person, he says, oh, you know, I cannot believe in Jesus Christ. Why? Because of the Crusades! I started thinking, well, uh, how many Crusades were there? When did they happen? Why did they happen? And where? And how is it related to Jesus, who lived, I you know how many hundreds of years before that? And this person doesn't know anything about the Crusades, but by saying this magic word, the Crusades, right? Then I don't have to listen to Jesus anymore. Crusades, 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 right? It's like, I mean, how, you know, why is it they're thinking? Of, I think it's because the devil is working in their hearts, isn't it? Now, I think the last thing for us is, are we the second or third soil? Now. In the last half of that, oh, this guy actually, uh, he was quite funny. He said that, uh, gladly this, is, this doesn't happen in our church anyway, I think. He said, you know, he sits in church and sometimes he sees the, the church people and they are, they're so busy that they're, they're sending messages in their blackberries uh, during the, the sermon, right? Uh, obviously you'll be using your Facebook or something, but gladly you're not, okay? And I was thinking, yeah, it's true, isn't it? Imagine if uh, during the, the sermon today, uh, Somehow all the things you were thinking of were stored into some portable hard drive, right? And we could load it up to the computer and shown up here on the PowerPoint, right? What would we see in that 35 minutes during the sermon? Would you sort of be dreaming of all these things, of worrying about all these different things? Or would you really be thinking about God's Word and how it applies to you? So this pastor said that Maybe at the end of this service, what you need to do is, you need to do some some weeding. right? Maybe there's some six foot bamboo tree growing in your life somewhere and you need to dig it out and poison it and get rid of it. So is that you? Is that some big bamboo tree in your life that you need to get rid of? Because it's choking your Christian life? Because it's choking the seed that is in you and stopping it from actually growing and actually killing your Christian life. Well that is so then then you you need to do, it, isn't it? At the end of the service, you need to do some weeding in your life. Because all of us, we need to be good listeners. We need to hear God's word, we need to believe God's word, but all the more we need to hold on and retain God's word and we need to persevere in it. And unless we are doing that we are fooling ourselves. Because Jesus is very clear, isn't it? Whoever has will be given more, but whoever does not have even what they think they have will be taken from them. Let's go to God in prayer. Dear Father, as we come before you today, we pray for ourselves that we may be all good listeners of your word, that we will understand, we will retain and we will persevere even in the midst of opposition and hardship even in the midst of temptations and attractions in this world, we pray that you may give us the wisdom and the Holy Spirit in our hearts to examine our lives uh, transparently. And if there is anything that is stopping the Word growing in our lives, then we pray that you may help us to really root it out and to apply it strongly in every area of our life to to take your word and to shine its microscope on us. And we truly pray for all these things in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.